I've always wanted to be a nurse. Between do I want to be a doctor or a nurse? And for me, the nursing was the part where they got to spend the most time with the patient. That was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be a caregiver. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. When it comes to changing people's lives, I think that some of the things we do do touch and change people's lives forever. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs. Several months ago, we reported on stalled contract negotiations between California Nurses Association and Kaiser Permanente. At one point, Kaiser negotiators scheduled a meeting with the nurses but failed to show up. That absence marked the third straight week that Kaiser officials put off or failed to attend negotiations, a step the RNs charged was driven by Kaiser's desire to avoid addressing the RN's widespread concerns about erosion of care standards. What is really occurring is that Kaiser is trying to avoid confronting what is occurring every day in their hospitals and the need to have solutions to protect their patients, said CNA co-president Zinni Cortez, RN chair of the Kaiser RN bargaining team. This isn't just happening at Kaiser. With profits for giant hospitals at an all-time high, the nurses say the bottom line, there are some very dangerous trends at play here, and they are not encouraging. In a moment, we're going to talk with Kaiser RN Katie Romer. Katie is part of the bargaining team at the California Nurses Association. Recently, National Nurses United, the nation's largest organization of U.S. nurses, produced a document identifying four dangerous trends in healthcare. Here to talk about these trends and what's happening in hospitals is RN Katie Romer. Katie, welcome to Nurse Talk. How long have you been a nurse and how long have you worked at Kaiser? So I've been a nurse for almost 20 years and I've worked at Kaiser for 10 of those years. Excellent. Very good. So I want to start off, we're going to talk about the dangerous trends, but I would like to know, how are the negotiations going? Any movement? Well, you know, I mean, so far we've been negotiating since the end of July, and we've put 39 proposals forward, and um, Kaiser has not made significant movement on their proposals, nor has Kaiser put forth their own economic proposals. So not a whole lot of movement so far. You know, we were just on strike two days uh, last week. Uh, we'll see what happens when we go back to the bargaining table on December 2nd. Wow. So let's talk about these dangerous trends. More and more hospitals are joining forces with insurers to create what is known as ACOs. Kaiser is the leader of this model where the hospital takes on the role of insurer. So what are ACOs? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I work for Kaiser, and uh, Kaiser is an HMO, right? And so it's basically where the hospital corporation takes on the same the role of the insurance company as well. So you meld those two things together. Danger. And when you do that, you can create some really difficult problems because you I can use the example of Kaiser because they're kind of the model for all of these ACOs throughout uh, the country now. They've led the way in saying, okay, this is a great way to do it. And you know really what we believe it is is kind of a, a money making scheme on their part. Because when you are the insurer and you provide the insurance, you're then incentivized to provide less care because you get those insurance premiums coming into you whether the patients get care or not. Mm -hmm. So what are your incentives in terms of money-making? You get those insurance premiums, and then you don't want to provide the care because when you don't provide the care, you get more money. Mm -hmm. And that's is it like there's two kind of models in the United States. One is the fee-for-service model, where that's kind of what our traditional old model used to be, where you went into the hospital and there was kind of an incentive to provide more care, right? Yes. The more tests, the more payment the doctor got. This is kind of the opposite of that with the HMOs and the ACOs. They're incentivized to provide less care. 
So when you come in, you're then kind of either not admitted because they shunt you through the emergency room, and people who would have been admitted years ago now aren't admitted with the same kind of diagnosis because they're trying to keep you out of the system now. When you do get admitted, if you do get admitted, you're often admitted to a lower level of care. So if you needed to go into the intensive care unit, you might be placed on a medical surgical unit. And that's nothing against the medical surgical nurses, but because they care for more patients, they don't have the time or the ability to give you as much monitoring as a nurse in the intensive care would. Yes. So that's a less care you get. I did hear that the head of the Kaiser organization was quoted as saying that if somebody goes into the hospital, they feel that's a failure. They've already failed. Yeah. How do you think that feels to a hospital nurse, right? Exactly. Um, We have patients who need care, (laughs) right? And that's what we provide. We provide care for people who need it. And we're seeing people who increasingly need it. You know, we had the passage of the Affordable Care Act. New people are coming into the system, and those people have not often had health care for a long period of time, and they need health care, and often they need hospitalization. And when you need hospitalization, what you need is a registered nurse. That's right. And I've seen a disturbing trend um, in Kaiser as well as other facilities in which um, I, I work with seniors when we try to admit them to the hospital for something that is definitely needs that level of care, they're admitted under observation. So it's not a full admit, and this yeah. and the consumer, the patient, doesn't know this. It looks exactly as if right. you're admitted, you go to a room in the hospital, they tell you I'm admitted. You know, I had this happen to my brother-in-law. They said Mm -hmm. he was admitted, and because I knew, I asked, is that observation or is he fully admitted? No, he's on observation. And so for people out there, you you have a three-day qualifying stay, and then you can get other services through Medicare. Well, it's not so easy. They make sure that you don't get those three-day qualifying stay. Can you say anything about that? Yeah, it's really dangerous, and we're seeing increasing numbers of patients on observation, and they're actually kind of um, making the patients feel like it's a good thing. Like, oh, you're on observation. This is great because it means you're a lesser patient. Like, you're not as sick, so you mm-hmm. don't need to be, you know, admitted to the hospital. And, and that it's dangerous on a lot of different levels because it's kind of a way for the hospitals to cook the books. Yes, it is. Because when, you, when you're in the hospital under observation, you're not admitted. You're not kind of official. Right. And so there's a certain period of time under which you can, you know, they're giving you the same treatment pretty much as you would get as if you were admitted, but it looks like you weren't there. So for the hospital, if you get readmitted within 30 days, you were never admitted in the first place. So they don't, they're not subject to those fines, right? And then you have for seniors, it's particularly insidious because like you said, if they, for any sort of rehabilitation afterwards, if you need to go to a rehab facility after your hospital stay to continue to recover and get physical therapy, you have to have had three days in the hospital, like you said. And if you are under observation for any of those days, it doesn't count. So all of that then, all of the payment for that follow-up care in a rehab facility falls on you. Yes. So it's a way to shift costs. Yes, it is. And it's a nasty way. Now I'm going to shift. Horrible. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Hospitals are merging at an astounding rate. Mm. What you may hear, healthcare systems are integrating to form better coordinated care. That's what they say. But what's really happening, Katie? 
Well, I mean, I used to work at um, Alta Bates when mm-hmm. it was a little independent hospital. Right? Yes. And the, the independent community hospitals are being taken over by these large corporations, and they're gobbled up. And then they are under the same kind of care that we're just talking about with, you know, all of the things that they're doing to cut costs. And they're often in areas where the community um, needs the care and without that community hospital and it's, and it's gearing its care toward that community that people aren't going to get care. So you get, you lose the community hospitals often and their connection to the community on that basis. And they go into these big ACOs that we were talking about. And then they are subject to all of the kind of cost-cutting measures that we were just talking about, right? And so they're not actually then providing direct care to the community in the way that they used to. And often they get closed. Mm -hmm. Hospitals will take over these community hospitals and close them because they don't want to provide care to these uh, community members who need more care and who don't have um, as much money. So true. So let's look at this one. What you may hear is hospitals are advancing new and improved healthcare technology. Uh, what does that really look like? Well, often right now what it's looking like is um, the electronic medical records um, where you are doing everything in the computer. And what happens is that there's Im- um, there's software embedded into these programs that is kind of directing care. And it's the most... Um, is based on algorithms often where patients, you know, they, they'll look at, you know, tens of thousands of patients and say, with this diagnosis, this is what we want to do. Not just based on the individual patient, mm-hmm. but based on all of those, you know, hundreds of thousands of patients. And what an RN does is look at the individual patient face-to-face. This is what we specialize in doing and provide care based on the needs of that individual patient. Yes. That's what so the true. electronic medical record does is provide standardized care to, you know, an al- to an algorithm. Right, a standardized care to the medium patient. All right, Katie, we're talking dangerous trends and I have another one. Hospitals mm-hmm. are now operating on a Disney or hotel model of customer services and are pushing nurses to focus on patient satisfaction rather than patient care. What's your experience of this one, Katie? Well, it's very frustrating because you hear a lot of talk in the hospitals about patient satisfaction, and while we really want the patients to be satisfied, what we're there to provide is not hotel service, but, you know, medical care. So as nurses, we need to figure out what the very best thing for the patient in that situation is and provide that care. And often that care can not be as comfortable for the patient as, you know, being in a hotel. So you have to start an an IV on a patient or you have to give them medicine that maybe doesn't taste good or you have to do things that a patient, you know, isn't necessarily pleasant but is part of the healing process, right? And we do it in the best way that we can, in a supportive way. We explain what we're doing. But there's, there can be kind of a conflict between, you know, uh, the, you know, having a beautiful hospital and, you know, not having the nurses you need to provide the care, which is kind of what's happening right now in healthcare. They're focusing on patient satisfaction instead of patient outcomes. And what nurses want to be focusing on is what is the best, most direct route to get patients well. That's so true. Uh, that that Disney model is a is a funny one. In you know, we want to step up customer service. That's their what they say to us, and yet you're so right. We're providing direct patient care that oftentimes isn't. Um, it's a small world or Pirates of the Caribbean. 
I mean, you just can't get yes. that kind of uh, feeling in a hospital, and you shouldn't. So where do we go no. from here, Katie? What can the nurses do, and what should our listeners do the next time they or one of their loved ones is in the hospital? Well, I mean, really what we want is patients to be aware of, you know, you have the right to go into a hospital and get medical care from a registered nurse when you need it, right? So ask who's caring for you because there's this trend to kind of displace um, the, the care of a registered nurse. And we believe that that care is essential to people being able to get well. So if you're going into the hospital and you need to be admitted, you need to have somebody who can advocate on your side and the People that are going to do that are registered nurses. If you need to get admitted, you need to be, you know, cared for by a registered nurse, and you need to, you know, get into the level of care that's appropriate for, your, for what you need. And the people that are going to help you do that are the RNs because they know. You need to be in the hospital for as long as you need to be in the hospital. And so, again, we are seeing patients discharged earlier than they should be, and people need to be asking their nurse, do you think I'm ready to go home? You think that I am able to to be out there and take care of myself. And every hospital should have, every community needs to have a full service hospital. People need to ask. That's so true. I have to say, again, with my brother-in-law going into Kaiser, had a blood clot from his knee to his groin. From oh from fracturing his pelvis in eight places. He was in a nursing oh, home. Yeah. We, we sent, we went back to the Kaiser ER the ER doctor says to me, well, we're going to send him back. And this is a man who's had pulmonary embolisms before. And I said, so you're telling me he has a clot from his knee to his groin, and you're going to send him back to the nursing home for in the place where this developed where they didn't catch it, even yeah. though he had all the signs and symptoms of it. Because here again, Katie, not enough RNs in nursing homes. Exactly. And the, then a bad outcome. So I, I see it every day. And please uh, be vocal. You do have to fight for your rights in any hospital. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Katie? I just think people really need to be aware of, you know, where we're going in healthcare, the bigger trends that we just talked about right now, and to be uh, on the alert for, you know, the fact that these large healthcare corporations don't necessarily have your best interests at heart when they're admitting you to the hospital. And the people that are going to take care of you, the people that are going to advocate on your behalf are the registered nurses who take care of you. So we need to have registered nurses available and able to care, and you need to stay communicating with us because we're going to tell you the truth about what's happening in, in health care, and we are going to take care of you and make sure you're okay. So true. Katie, always a pleasure. Thank you for your years of service and your leadership in, as a nurse. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Casey. It's always good to talk to you. We've been talking with RN Katie Romer about the dangerous trends happening as we speak in hospitals across this country. For more information about this topic or about National Nurses United, visit nnu.org.